Thanks for tuning in to listen to the Drosh for this week's Parsha reading. Stay tuned after the Drosh for details on how to stay in touch with this ministry and keep up with all of our content. I hope you enjoy the message. Shabbat Shalom. Shabbat Shalom. We had a rather sizable portion this week in Masay. The part that kept jumping out at me in the Torah was the boundaries of the Promised Land. And it's called the Promised Land because God keeps his promises. Kephabet, 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9. Yahweh is not slow concerning his promises, as some men count slowness. But is long suffering toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should come to Teshuvah. But Yahweh will come as a thief in the night, when the heavens shall suddenly pass away, and the elements shall separate as they burn, and the earth also, and the works that are in it shall not be found. Now, since all these things are to be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be in your consecrated conduct and fear of Elohim? waiting for and longing for the coming of Yom HaElohim, the day of God, wherein the heavens being tested with fire shall be dissolved, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens and a new earth in which dwells righteousness. Amen. In our portion, God is reminding Israel that he promised them a land and he is very detailed this time about the boundaries of it. When he visited Abraham in Genesis chapter 15, he, near, he merely told him, from the, Euphrates, from the Nile to the Euphrates shall be your land. But in our portion, he uses, he, he paints the whole border. And I forget the exact order, it might be in my notes, but you have the Euphrates on the east, starting all the way up at the headwaters of the Euphrates up in Turkey. Going all the way down through part of the rest of Turkey, on the west side of Turkey, kind of the southwest, I guess. Syria, cutting through Iraq, and going all the way and cutting Kuwait right in half, because the Euphrates Delta is right there in Kuwait. And then from there, going straight across west, maybe a little bit southerly as well, to the bottom of the, of the Red Sea. So the Red Sea is the western border of Israel along with the Nile that is, goes up out of the Red Sea toward the Mediterranean Sea in the Nile Delta. The boundary includes the Nile Delta and the city of Cairo. And then it cuts over the, 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 from that point, from the Nile Delta going north and easterly, easterly and then northerly, the border of the Mediterranean Sea all the way back up to the headwaters of the Euphrates. That's huge. That is huge. Just by looking at it, and I'm a pretty good guesser at that, I'll have to tell you a Navy story to make you understand how good at guessing I am in, in things like that. I, you know, I was lauded by the Admiral for it. <laughs> but. Uh, just looking at it and making a, uh, an educated guess about how many times more land it is, it looks like about 15 times more, give or take, than what Israel is today. And it's even more than what they had back then. All right, now, 
when they got there, they were supposed to take it, all of it, from the Nile to the Euphrates. They got a little lazy. They got a little disobedient. We talked about it on Thursday night. They were supposed to follow the Malach Yahweh. We all know who that is. And do what he says. <laughs> well, as it turns out, didn't quite do what he said. All right, so... God keeps his promises. That's the point that I'm making. Even though Israel has never fulfilled that, they have never held all of that land. Doesn't mean it's not going to happen one day. Because what God says is going to happen, happens. You ain't like these prophets to just make it up off the top of their heads, and then it may or may not happen, or it, you might could squeeze it in there. No. It's going to happen. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20. For all the promises of Elohim were in Mashiach, yes. Therefore, by his hand, we give our amen to the glory of Elohim. Amen. What God says he's going to do, he does. Period. In Bobby Bar 23, we heard, God is not a man that he should lie, neither the son of man that he should relent. When he has said it, Will he not do it? When he has spoken it, will he not make it good? Today, Israel, our Jewish people, are back in the land. But they don't hold all of it. Their boundaries have played spongy since 1948 when they took it. They should have been given the Balfour Declaration, but written Renee. Um, they were given a little tiny sliver of land. They don't hold all of it yet. Most especially, they don't hold the Temple Mount. And so people that are saying that all this stuff going on in Israel means that Yeshua is coming back or means something else or they expect they're seeing prophecies fulfilled in regard to the return of the Jews Nope. Israel is not Israel until that temple is there. And then you're going to start seeing things happen. God said seven times that I could count in the books of Kings and Chronicles alone. Seven times he said, when you get to the place where I will put my name. And I have taught you that as we approach, as we walk through the Torah every year, I remind you of it. When you get to the place where I shall put my name, when you get to do this, when you get to the place where I shall put my name, do that. Right now, that temple is not there. And I think I've told you guys this before. The city of Israel, if you take an aerial photograph of it and you look at the mountains and valleys in it, it looks like a sheen. Letter sheen, which basically looks like this. And that, how many of you have a sheen on your mezuzah? Most everybody does, because it represents Shaddai, El Shaddai, God Almighty. All right? But a sheen is not a sheen unless it has a dagesh on its right side. A dagesh is a little dot. And if you look at the sheen of Jerusalem, 
and you see the Temple Mount right between two of the valleys, and those valleys are, I gotta orient this right in my head, you have the Kidron Valley on the east side, then you have the Temple Mount, and then you have the Tyropoian Valley, which is the second one of the Sheen, and then you have the uh, Ben Hinnom Valley on the, on the far west side, all right? So from your perspective, so you're looking at it this way, right? So this is the east side. The Dagesh would be right here, and that's where the Temple Mount is, wow. right across from the, the Kidron Valley. However, they own Jerusalem now. They've had Jerusalem since 1967, but they gave up the Temple Mount. They had it for three days and gave it up. I've told, we've had conversations about this. I've taught you about it. I'm not going to utterly review it. I just wanted to recall it again tonight. However, the majority of Israel is secular. That means they don't observe any religion whatsoever. They're just Jewish. All right. And the biggest religious community in Israel is the rabbinic slash orthodox community which denies Messiah Yeshua. And not only do they deny him, they are hostile to him and to his people, the Messianic Jews who are there, who are growing in number, but are still a very, very mi minor minority. They're a tiny number there. They're growing, but they're never gonna get to the place in our day, we're not gonna see them just sweep the nation and convert everybody. It's not gonna happen. And that doesn't mean that we shouldn't minister to Israel, we should. And it means that we have to understand that the, God has not lifted the blindness off of Israel yet. He's going to in a day. But right now, most of Israel is blind. I believe, personally, that the rabbinic community, the orthodox community, is going to grow and grow faster than the messianic community because they believe in having children. <laughs> and they're growing their numbers that way. That group, that majority religious group, does not trust in Yeshua. And one day, they will fall to the great deceit that will hit the world. Temporarily, thank God. But they will follow Mashiach HaShekeh. The Messianic community is tiny and it has very little representation in the government, if any. For one thing, they don't allow them to become citizens yet. So if any of them are citizens, they, they either became believers after citizenship or they snuck in somehow. We know some people that did that. Before Israel gets all of that land back, other things have to happen. And Yeshua said this about the times that we live in, but concerning that day and that hour, no man knows, not even the Malachim of heaven, but of Halom. Just as in the days of Noah, so will be the coming of Ben Ha'adam, the son of man. For as the people before the flood were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, until the day Noah entered the ark, and they knew nothing until the flood came and carried them all away, such will be the coming of Ben Ha'adam. Noah means comfort or rest. Noah and seven other people alone entered the ark not because he didn't preach but because they wouldn't listen it's just like that today 
It's not that we're not declaring the risen Son of God. It's that people's ears are shut to it. And as frustrating as it is, we have to recognize it's part of God's plan. We, it doesn't mean we, we, have to, we have to declare it all the more Amen. so that we reach the ones that can be reached. But the majority of people are not going to hear it. Those who know Yeshua know that the flood of fire is about to hit this earth. We know it. It's not a guess. It's not to, to, to outsiders who hear us talking, it might sound like a little bit worse than sci-fi to them. But we know it's going to happen because God keeps his promises. The people were the ones who knew nothing, not Noah and the seven others. My goodness, they spent 120 years building a ship on dry land, miles from an ocean. And it had never rained ever, ever. They were like, Geshem, Mazeg Geshem, what's rain? Didn't know what it was. It had never rained. They were idiots in the eyes of the world. Just like we're saying, a flood of fire is coming on this earth, you better get ready. Y'all are idiots. That's what the world tells us, right? But the day that Yeshua is talking about is, of course, the last millennium. Day of Yahweh, his Sabbath, the seventh millennium. But there is a dusk, just like there is a dusk between every every pair of days, there is a dusk between the sixth millennium and the seventh millennium, and it's that seven years of tribulation. And that could be right on top of us. And I have zero doubt it will begin with a Natsal. A catching away what most people call a rapture Yeshua in our portion that we read out of Matai Matthew this, this week then two men will be in the field this is shortly after his his talking about Noah then two men will be in the field one will be taken away and the other forsaken two women will be grinding at the handmill one will be taken away and the other forsaken be alert therefore for you do not know at what hour your Adon will come but know this much that if the Adon of the house knew at which, at what watch of the night the thief comes, he would keep awake and would not let his house be plundered. For this reason, you also be ready, for Ben Adam will come at an hour when you do not expect him. Yeshua was talking to his Talmudim, all of whom, 12 of them, were Jewish. All of whom believed in God establishing a messianic kingdom on the earth. And he is describing an event beforehand where God removes some people and forsakes the others. Taken and forsaken. Lakach or Azav, which means to forsake. That is the beginning of the tribulation. It begins with the shout of the bride, bridegroom coming for his bride. The jewel explains in 1 Corinthians 15 and 1 and 2 Thessalonians. And it ends with the great shofar that we see in our portion. Immediately after the tribulation of those days, 
The sun will be darkened and the moon will not give her light and the stars will fall from the sky and the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Then the sign of Ben Adam will appear in the sky. I personally believe that's his resurrected body. Yeshua said he's going to give you one sign. Sign of Yonah. When they look up and see Yeshua standing in the clouds, they're going to know. And I believe that he proves that by going on and saying, saying, if someone says he's over there, don't believe them. If someone says he's in the hills, don't believe them. If someone says he's in the house, don't believe them. Because the next time the world sees Yeshua, it's going to be in their face. Everyone in the whole wide world is going to see it. After the tribulation of those days, the powers will be shaken. The sign of Ben-Hadam will appear in the sky. And then all the generations of the earth will mourn. And they will see Ben-Hadam coming on the clouds of the sky with an army and great glory. And he'll send his malachim with the shofar hagadol. That's the, the great shofar. That is the, the final day. That's when Yeshua puts his foot down. There are two shofars concerning his return. The first shofar and the great shofar. At that point, he's gathering his chosen ones. It says they will gather his chosen ones from the four winds. He will determine who lives where. Obviously, I am summarizing. You guys know this. It takes months to teach this and do it justice. To teach all of what I'm giving you a very light summary of right now. And The thing that I'm trying to keep you put in your mind is that this is what God said is going to happen, and it is going to happen. The believing community, by and large, has forgotten it. There's a lot of people out there saying that Jesus is coming back, but they don't understand the ramifications of what that means. And then there's a lot of people who just think it's allegorical. There's a lot of people right now thinking that some secret people behind the curtain are going to establish peace. And there's two groups of those. The right wing and the left wing are the same bird. They all think man is going to solve their problems. And it's not going to happen. After Yeshua puts his foot down, that's when the actual boundaries of the nation of Israel will finally be established. I don't think it'll happen before then, and there's a, there's a major reason why, and I hope I don't skip it in my notes. you got to remember, those boundaries are from the Nile to the Euphrates, the bulk of Jordan in the south, half of the Iraq, and a slice of Turkey. tickled me when I wrote it in my notes. <laughs> the reason that I don't believe that those boundaries can be established for Israel just yet is because a big chunk of the promised land will belong to Mashiach HaSheker and already does right now. I already mentioned part of Turkey, Islamic. Syria, Islamic. Lebanon, Islamic. Half of Iraq, Islamic. Half of Kuwait, Islamic. Jordan, part of Saudi Arabia, Islamic. Egypt, Islamic. That's Mashiach HaSheker. 
It's the nations he's going to arise out of. I think that Psalm 83 is at the end. I used to think it was we would see it, but I don't think we're going to see it anymore. And the big reason why is because those nations are still there. And that would be... They, those nations become one in the tribulation. Yeah. So that's not Israel yet. Are you with me? I'm going to read to you from the Hikulu. Revelation 13. And as I stood on the sand of the shore, I saw a beast of prey rise up out of the sea. That's the Mediterranean. That's people. That's nations rising up. Having ten horns and seven heads, and upon his horns ten crowns, and upon his heads blasphemous words, the beast of prey which I saw was, this is one beast like a leopard, one, his feet were like that of a bear, the same beast, he had feet like a bear, and his mouth was the mouth of a lion. So it's one beast whose body was spotted like a leopard, his feet were like a bear, and his mouth was the mouth of a lion. And the dragon, which is Hasatan, everybody knows that, gave him his power and his throne and great authority. And one of his heads was as though mortally wounded. I'm going to skip a little bit. And there was given him a mouth that he might utter boastful things and blasphemies, and power was given to him to make war for 42 months. And I personally believe that's the last three and a half years of the tribulation. That is the great tribulation. That's the hardest three and a half years that the world will ever see. And that's when those nations start to persecute real believers demanding submission or death. And that's all, already the mantra of Islam is to demand submission. They just, right now they do it through subterfuge until they get to a majority and then they demand it. They convert as many people as possible and they breed, breed, breed anywhere they live. They've already taken over Detroit, some, some city in Michigan. There's one city in Michigan that they own outright. And Sharia is, is the law of the land there. Makes me so mad. This is one beast who makes war for 42 months. He makes war with the Kedoshim, the holy ones, to overcome them. And everyone on earth shall worship him, whose names are not written in the book of life of the Lamb. I've taught y'all this before. I'm doing a summary. <clears throat> this is Daniel's fourth beast out of Daniel chapter 7. Prophet, the Navi Daniel, Daniel the prophet speaks in chapter 7 about Mashiach HaShekel and the end days. He sees a vision and he sees four beasts. I want you to listen very carefully to the first three of his beasts. The first was like a lion. Got that? I'm, gonna not, I'm not going to read the whole thing. I'm in Daniel 7. Now I'm in verse 5. The second was like a bear. The third was like a leopard. Then in verse 7 it says, And I saw the fourth beast, dreadful, terrible, strong exceedingly. It had great iron teeth that devoured and broke in pieces and stamped the remainder with its feet. And it was changed. Our translation actually says diverse, which is right. But 
the word there in Aramaic is rooted in the word shini, which means second, which does mean to change, but it's a transformation. It's the same thing changing. Are you with me? And you see that because the one beast in, in the Revelation chapter 13 is a description of the first three in Daniel 7. All combined together. Those are Daniel, I think it's in chapter 9, I have to look, where Daniel explains, he gets his second vision of the big statue. Yes. And it's the same vision, just a different, it's the same prophecy, just a different picture. And God tells him who those nations are. And the lion is Babylon, which is modern-day Iraq. And the bear is Persia, which is modern-day Iran. And the leopard is Greece, which is modern-day Greece and Turkey. All right? So the point that I'm getting at is the land of Israel is, is in our near future, the boundaries that God promised if we see that he's, he's, he's promising in the Torah, it's been written, it's been explained at least three times in the Torah, just in Genesis through Deuteronomy, and then it gets reiterated in Joshua, and it, it gets hinted about in other places, all right? But this prophecy about Mashiach HaSheker and his beast of nations, which is Islam, is standing in the way of that happening. So that we will not see it in our day. We won't see it until Yeshua puts his foot down. And so there's other things we have to worry about before that happens. Right? Yeshua in our portion says, Be careful that no man deceives you. Many will come in my name and say that I am the Mashiach, and they will deceive many. You're bound to hear of revolutions and rumors of wars. Look out and do not be disturbed. I can remember... You know, Melanie and I watch a lot of old TV, and one of them is Walton's, and half that show is dealing with World War II. You know, and I used to sit and talk to my great uncle and my, two of my great uncles and one of my great aunts, I used to sit and talk to them about the Depression and World War II. I just, I'm a history buff, and I just love sitting there, especially my uncle who fought a D-Day, just love sitting there listening to him talk about it. They were terrified. You know, they, they thought the world was coming to an end. And they were right. It just wasn't immediate. Just like we've had the hankering that it's closer to us, but we don't know for sure exactly when it's going to happen. But the point is, it will happen. The end is not yet. Nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and plagues. We, we're having those. You just about can't turn around without you hear about another goofy plague. Earthquakes in different places and severe winters. Earthquakes in different places is in Matthew, but Luke says severe winters, and I do believe that's in relationship to Israel. And of course, they're having similar weather to us. We just have one, you know, Two years ago, was it two years ago? Three years ago, we had that horrible, it was two years ago. Had that horrible winter. <laughs> Sitt, sitting in my house in a foul weather suit because <laughs> the electricity was off and couldn't heat it up. 
Those are the beginnings of travail. So when we start seeing all of that, wars, plagues, earthquakes, cold winters, all of that stuff together, which I think we're starting to see all of that just come at a consistent level, you can bet you're in travail. Chevlei shel Mashiach, the birth pangs of the Messiah. That's the word that Yeshua used there. Ach chol ele rak reshit hachavalim. All of these are just the beginning of labor pains. Timothy said, know this, that in the Aharit Hayamim, disastrous times will come. Men shall be lovers of themselves and lovers of money, proud, conceited, blasphemers, disobedient to their own people, ungrateful, wicked, false accusers, addicts to lust, brutal, haters of good things, traitors, hasty, boasters, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of Elohim, Having a shade of the fear of Elohim, but far from the power of Elohim, from such turn away. I've said it over and over again, and I will reiterate. The power of God is not displayed in tongues and prophecies and all of that stuff. It's in a transformed life, delivering people from their sin. That's the power of God. Rescuing people out of their self-destructive behavior, their sin. Having their mind open and their hearts open so that they can hear the word of God and be transformed by it. That is the power of God. And we lack that today. It disturbs me the more that I see believers acting just like the world. You have the Christian worship team over here and the rock band over here. And you can't tell them apart. Not even after they begin playing sometimes. Because they dress and talk and act just like the world. And they struggle with the addictions that the world struggles with. Yes. And I'm not just talking about substance, I'm talking about mental addictions as well. Yes. Emotional addictions. Of this sort are those who creep into houses and captivate women sunken in sin, led away with diverse lust, ever striving to learn and never able to come to the knowledge of high men. I see people Digging at it, there's one person that I've befriended on Facebook that I've since unfollowed just because he got ridiculous. And he claims all the time that I'm, I've studied, I've spent thousands of hours studying this out. You still got it all wrong there, buddy. <laughs> basic reading, and you missed the mark with just basic reading. Surface level stuff that he should, should just be obvious to Strive, ever striving to learn and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Just as Yanis and Yamris stood up against Moshe, so do these also resist the truth. And the thing that I'm pointing out there is Moshe is equated to the truth. Moshe the person is often called Moshe the Torah. And the Torah is often called the truth. Yeshua said when he was praying to his father, Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. They are men of corrupt minds and far from the faith. They shall not progress, for their folly is well known to every man, even as that of the others also was. So in our Haftarah portion, you read about Israel. And where Israel is in history, in Yirmeyahu, is Isaiah came in 9-something B.C., and Jeremiah came in like 800 to way high 700s BC, so 60, 80, 100 years after Isaiah died. 
Jeremiah shows up. And Isaiah was prophesying to all of Israel. Jeremiah was too, but now Israel is just the southern kingdom and the remnant from the north that was part of Israel. Israel and Judah are the same thing. The, old, the kingdom of Israel was destroyed and will never rise again. All right? The, where were they? What, were, what was their spiritual problem? They worshiped God right along with Baal. They brought trees into sacred, the, the sacred temple of God. They put trees in their houses, on their hills, everywhere. And they worshiped Baal at the base of those trees. And they did disgusting things, and they did disgusting things to their children. God told them in our portion, and they that handled the Torah knew me not. That means that they were, they were worshiping God, they were holding the Torah, they were carrying it around, they were probably kissing it, they were saying that they believed in it, not doing a thing it says. Sound a little familiar? The rulers transgressed against me. The prophets prophesied by Baal. Baal. And they walked after things that do not profit. Has a nation changed its gods, which are not gods, but my people has changed its glory for that which does not profit? Be astonished, O you heavens, at this, and be horribly afraid. Be exceedingly amazed, says Yahweh. For my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of Mayim Chaim. And the other evil was they've broken cisterns and they've done other stuff. I left that off because I want to focus on this Mayim Chaim just a little bit. They have forsaken me, the fountain of Mayim Chaim, living water. That is alluding to Sukkot at the very end. The living water ceremony is during Sukkot. It is the water libation. They go from, they leave the priests and, and volunteers, grab buckets, and, and they go out, and they go to all the wells around Jerusalem, and they get water, and they get palm branches, and they come back in, and they pour that water out, and they quote the scriptures about Mayim Chaim. Two of them are in Jeremiah. One of them is in Genesis, where, where Isaac dug the well, that, and he said Mayim Chaim sprung up from it. And the other one is the ceremony of the cleansing of the leper with the cedar wood, the shenit tola'at, the scarlet worm, and the doves, and the mayim chayim. So they learn all of those scriptures, and they go in, and they have this water-pouring ceremony. And while they were doing that, in, in Yohanan chapter 7, Yeshua says this, Whoever trusts in me, just as the scriptures have said, rivers of mayim chayim shall flow from within him. In Yohanan chapter 4, Yeshua told the woman at the well, If you only knew the gift of Elohim, and who is the man who said to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you Mayim Chaim. And Mayim Chaim is the Ruach HaKodesh. It's the Spirit of God. They were reading, they were carrying around the Torah, they were doing religious duty to God, 
They were keeping the Sabbath in their mind by going to the temple and going to the synagogue and doing their religious duty every week, but they were interested in other things as well. They were disloyal to the Ruach, the Spirit of God. They weren't led by God. They were just led about by their minds, their emotions. And that's where most people are today. They're led about by their emotions. They choose sin because their flesh said so. God made me this way, so it must be all right. You ever heard that? God did not make you to sin. Hasatan has convinced you of that. And if you trust in Yeshua, he delivers you from your sin. That is the power of God. That is what we need to be praying for. For ourselves first. How many of you think you've conquered sin all together? <laughs> we can get better at it. We can get better at it. We can walk more righteously in this world and be a light to those around us. We can. And we need to because we're... We are so close to the blast of that shofar. We're so close to it. I can't say when, but we are close. And I'm, I'm not going to say it's going to happen this year, but I'm certainly not going to treat it lightly when Yom Teruah gets here. I'm not going to treat it lightly right now. Yeshua said in our portion, when Ben-Hadam comes, when the Son of Man comes in his glory, and all his kadoshim with him, then he will sit upon the throne of his glory, and all nations will gather before him. And he will separate one from another, just as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will set the sheep at his right, and the goats at his left. Then the king will say to those at his right, Come, you blessed of Abi, inherit the kingdom which has been prepared for you from the foundation of the world. That is the messianic kingdom, the boundaries of which will be from the Nile to the Euphrates, the Jewish people will live there at that time, and the rest of the world will live wherever God tells them they're going to live. I don't know, or wherever they choose. I don't know how it's going to work. But what I know is Yeshua is going to be sitting on a throne on this earth for a thousand years. And that's a promise. And all the people of Israel will be gathered to those boundaries when Yeshua puts his foot down. He said so. He'll decide. He says several several places in the Tanakh that he'll decide who lives where. It ain't for me to say. He cracks me up. Those messianics going to buy land in Jordan, <laughs> like going and buying de desert land, thinking that they're going. <laughs> sign of Ben-Hadam will appear in the sky and then all the generations of the earth will mourn and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of the sky with an army and great glory. He'll send his messengers with the shofar, Hamadol, the great shofar. They'll gather his chosen ones from the four winds, from one end of the heavens to the other. Amen. Thanks for tuning in to listen to the Drosh for this week's Parsha. 
In the description, you'll find all the links to our websites and social media content. Please make sure you're subscribed to our podcast as we can be found on all major podcast platforms. If you feel compelled to support this ministry, please feel free to do so by donating via the Get the Word Out link in the description. All proceeds go toward growing this platform and the Mikdash Mayot ministry. Until the next time, we pray God blesses you with shalom in the name of Yahweh Yeshua Mashiach.